Hello, I'm your host, Savannah Beck, and this is Slow Burn, a book podcast for slow readers. This episode is dedicated to one of my favorite formats, the audiobook. I've mentioned on the show before that audiobooks help me keep reading even when I've got a lot going on. I listen to them while I'm running, while I'm doing laundry, commuting, driving, you name it. I really just like to have something in the background while I'm doing mindless activities like chores or working out, whether that's a podcast, music, or an audiobook. At the end of last year, I began having migraines and basically had to stop reading physical books for a couple of months and audiobooks were also a huge comfort to me at that time, which really made me appreciate how wonderful they are, not just as a convenience, but as a way to consume literature in general when reading isn't accessible. That aside, there are many situations where I actively choose the audio version of a book simply because I think the book would gain something from it especially if it's read by the author. So today I'm talking with Christine Ballo of Loyalty Bookstore about just that, some of her favorite audiobooks read by the author. Let's go. Would you like to just briefly introduce yourself and say a little bit about how long you've been at Loyalty and what you do there? Yeah, my name is Christine Ballo. I am currently the Programs and Marketing Manager for Loyalty Bookstores, which is a Black and queer-owned bookstore in Silver Spring, Maryland, and in the Patworth neighborhood of Washington, D.C. By the time that this is published, I will be the Director of Programming and a co-owner of the store. Oh my gosh, congrats. That's very exciting. (laughs) Thank you. It is. We are announcing publicly this week to line up with Loyalty's fourth anniversary. Oh, I didn't realize the bookstore was so young. Yeah, our little little baby bookstore with a lot of heart. Are you at both locations? I am. A lot of what I do is remote. So because I do a lot of emails with publicists and authors and things like that. So I work from home quite a bit. And then I'm I'm in both store locations as needed and there for events. Cool. I live super close to the Patworth location. So Oh, fabulous. Yeah, I was curious. Maybe one day I'll run in. I need to actually pick up a book from you guys that I ordered the other day. Okay, cool. I started in June of 2020. So it's been... Not quite three years, but it's been an eventful couple of years. I'm assuming with the programming, you do a lot of author events and things like that. Yeah, exactly. So I plan all the events. I do, you know, all of our social media, marketing, newsletter. It's quite a lot, but I love it. Championing books and authors is my favorite thing in the world. I like it. I also work in communications, so I totally understand how doing communications for something that is interesting to you and you care about makes all the difference. It really does. Yeah. So what is your relationship with reading like? Have you always been a big reader? I have. I grew up reading. My dad, he liked to collect books. And so I grew up with a lot of books around me all the time. And so I collect books. I have like 50 different editions of Pride and Prejudice. Oh my gosh. I know. Your bookshelf is really beautiful, by the way, in the background. Oh, thank you for the listeners. I know it's controversial to some people, but I have my books organized by color, like a rainbow. I don't always do that, but I reorganize them over the holidays from alphabetical to color. And it's very pleasing for me and good for the anxiety. It looks really nice. Thank you. So yeah, I grew up as a big reader 
And then, you know, I think like a lot of people, I sort of got bogged down by schoolwork, life, things like that. So I still always was a reader as a young adult, you know, in my 20s, but I really got back into it to a larger degree in about 2017, 2016. I joined the Bookstagram community on Instagram, and that was a big part of it as well. Nice. That aligns pretty closely with how long you've been at Loyalty. How has working at a bookstore impacted your relationship with reading? A lot. I've been at Loyalty for about two and a half, almost three years. And then I've been in the book selling industry since like 2018. And I definitely read more, but I read a lot more new books you know, books that come out this year, the next year, the year before. And there's definitely a lot more kind of reading for work, even though it's books I want to read. But, you know, you have to be careful about reading for yourself, even if it's nothing work related, just to to make sure that the joy of reading doesn't go away. My cat's yodeling in the background. So sorry about that. (laughs) No, that's okay. (laughs) What's your cat's name? His name is Fizz. Fizz. Oh, hi. Yeah, yeah. He's a good guy. I don't know what's up, but, you know, something important. Are you a slow reader or is that something that you don't really struggle with? Kind of. I just read a lot. Like almost all all of my free time is spent reading. So to go back a little bit, sort of why I started my bookstagram account in 2016, 2017 or so. So I have fibromyalgia, arthritis, I have had hip surgery, I used to be a professional dancer and do stunt fighting for movies and stuff. And I had hip surgery in in my 20s, which ended my dance career. And I was like, kind of struggling to figure out what I wanted to do. Anyway, I used to do real estate. And then I was having some really bad issues with pain to the point where I had to stop working for a while. I was using a walker. My life just felt like it was getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And I just was miserable because I couldn't really do anything without having pain. So that's when I turned to reading to the degree that I do now and started a bookstagram account and like became part of the bookstagram community, which ended up leading me to working in audiobooks. I did quality control editing for audiobooks and then I started working at a bookstore. Anyway, so the point of that is I don't necessarily like I'm not a fast reader, but people ask how I read so much is just that for me, that is my main activity. And with audiobooks, I'd say 70% of my reading is done by audiobooks, so I can do it while I'm doing other things, which is really helpful. Totally. That's really cool. I didn't realize that you specifically worked with audiobooks too, so that means you're an expert on this topic more so than I appreciate it already. What kind of genres do you read? A little bit of everything. I read a lot of literary fiction. I read a lot of speculative fiction. Those are the two genres that are my jam. I do love memoirs and I've gotten more into nonfiction in the last couple of years, especially. And, oh, and romance too. And graphic novels. I read everything. (laughs) I know it's a hard question. Pretty much most kind of genres, but I don't read a lot of horror 
or if I do read horror, it's or thriller. It's written by a person of color, like When No One Is Watching by Alyssa Cole, or, you know, something where it's like a perspective that's not just like the rich white lady. Yeah, that makes sense. Those are often a little bit more interesting anyway, even if you do like traditional horror. Exactly. So what's a good book that you've read recently? Or if you have a favorite book, you're welcome to share that. But it can be kind of an overwhelming question. Okay, I'm going to talk about a book I read towards the end of last year called One's Company. I can't remember the name of the author right now. But it's a book that came out by Norton. And it's this woman who wins the lottery. It's like the the largest lottery that's ever, you know, been been awarded in the history of the country or something like that in the book. And she takes her money and recreates the Threes Company set. Very quirky. I like it. Right. And it's so well written and it's so things just keep happening that are so unexpected and you're like what what it takes you on a journey it's a pretty slim book like it's only about 200 less than 250 pages for sure oh I like that yes I do too and then you know you find out some tr- past trauma that kind of led to Three's company being her comfort. And it's one of the most unique narrators I've ever read in a book. She's kind of bonkers, but like everything she does makes sense in her world, you know? Mm-hmm. It's a book that I haven't really seen many people talk about. So it's one that I just, I have to give a little shout out because it's so original and one that I think more people should pick up. Yeah, that was a really good recommendation. I'll definitely add it to my list. I've never heard of it either. So you mentioned that you worked in quality control with audiobooks and you listened to audiobooks doing your chores. Was there anything else that made you want to talk about them in particular? I am just a huge advocate for audiobooks. I love them. I think they're an amazing form of experiencing books, getting back to the original form of storytelling. I think they can bring so much to your reading experience, especially with the right narrator or a qualified narrator. I could pretty much talk about audiobooks like all the time and anytime. So that's why I was like, what about audiobooks? And because since I did it for work for a while, you know, I feel like I, I probably listened to like over 300 audiobooks. So I definitely, I think can pick from a variety of options. Do you feel at all conflicted loving audiobooks, but working in a physical bookstore? Or is that not really an issue? No, no, not really. Especially with Libro FM, which is an audiobook company, kind of like Audible, but they actually benefit and support independent bookstores rather than just like one megalomaniac. Oh, that's very cool. I did not know that. Yeah, Libra FM is amazing. So you can go to their website. They have like a membership program, which is, you know, basically one credit a month. And then you can also pay for audiobooks just a la carte. And they're available worldwide, which is awesome. Anyway, they have a program and, and bookstores so you can like buy the book through Libro.fm, the audiobook file, and have it directly support the bookstore of your choice. So we work with them a lot. I think it's a great option for people who maybe 
don't want to have the physical copy for whatever reason. There's a long wait at the library and they don't want to wait or they are traveling. I think it's something where it all encourages reading in some way. And I'm not, I mean, I love the physical book. I don't know. I'm all about like just not shaming people for consuming books however they want, whether it's in audiobook or ebook or a print copy. That's really cool. I'm glad you mentioned that because something I've talked about before on the show and actually yesterday when I was interviewing another guest was just what are some ways that people maybe don't normally think of that they can support independent bookstores. I actually use a library app for most of my audiobooks, but the ones I have purchased, I've always used Audible. So it's good to have an alternative. Yeah, definitely. Is that the main app or platform you use when you listen? Yeah, I use Libra.fm for most of it. And then I also use the library app as well. I used Overdrive, which now is Libby. And then I've used Hoopla as well. I've moved around a lot. So I have different libraries <laughs> that, I, that I have accounts with. And I, I have used Audible like to be to be frank. But I obviously, once I started working for an independent bookstore, I I really have tried to avoid them. I guess you kind of touched on this a little bit already, saying it's important just to encourage reading and consuming books, regardless of how people do that. But I definitely come across a lot of people when I tell them that I read a lot and that a lot of the books I read are also audiobooks. And they're like, oh, well, that's like not really reading. That's more like listening to a podcast or like the radio. Where do you land on that debate? Yeah, I've seen people bring that up. I, okay, I'm not gonna get on my soapbox, but I am firmly in the- You're welcome to get on a soapbox. That's what this episode's for. <laughs> it is firmly reading. Neurologically, listening to an audiobook and reading an audio book activate the same parts of your brain. And I think it's ableist to say that it's not reading. If someone is blind, you're not going to tell them that they're not reading. That's really messed up. For me, one of the reasons why I really got into audiobooks, like I mentioned, I have a lot of pain issues. Sometimes holding a hardcover big book, it's hard on my hands. Or sometimes you're in a lot of pain and you can't read, you can't focus. So I'll listen to a book while I just like play solitaire so I can kind of have something to do while I just sit there. I can't move around and it absolutely is reading. Absolutely. And I will fight anyone who says otherwise. I'm only 5'1", but I promise I am very intimidating. I'll tell them to at you if they come for me in the comments. I've always loved audiobooks and I listen to them pretty much if I'm doing anything that I don't have to concentrate too hard on. I like to have something in the background, but I also a few months ago was having migraines, which I'd never had before, and I wasn't able to read as much. And then I got this whole new understanding of the appeal. And I was like, oh, this is such a nice thing to have because watching anything is so miserable. And now I'm so bored all the time. I'm just laying around. And so I definitely understand how you could have a special bond with audiobooks. Specifically, we're going to talk about audiobooks that are read by the author, which is something I really enjoy. And I actually actively 
look at who's reading the books when I rent them. And for certain genres, especially like memoirs, I really, really, really like it to be read by the author. I strongly prefer that. So recently I listened to I'm Glad My Mom Died, which was written and read by Jeanette McCurdy. And I considered buying the physical book, but when I saw that she read it, I actively chose to listen to it. And I had a similar experience with Making a Scene by Constance Wu. And I think both of those really gained a lot from the delivery and the tone being read by the author. So I'm really excited to get these very specifically curated recommendations from you. So let's get to it. The first book on your list was Don't Cry For Me by Daniel Black. Can you tell me a little bit about it? Yes. So this was the first book that I knew I had to pick. It is an incredible book, but I think it's one that absolutely should be listened to. It's read by the author and it's an epistolary novel, which is like a novel in letter writing form or in letters. And it's written from the perspective of a black man who is, I think he's in his sixties or something, but he is dying and he's writing letters to his gay son who has stopped talking to him and trying to make amends, answer for the things he's done that he regrets. It's absolutely an incredible book. Also a slim novel, which I'm a fan of, and you are too. Yeah, it's like 260 pages or so. I'm not sure how long it is in audio book, but it's probably like seven hours or something, which isn't too bad. It's just so beautiful, and it's a very emotional book in a cathartic way where you finish it and you're probably crying but like you're happy about it not like that destroyed me do you know what I mean yeah (laughs) that was so heartbreaking but I loved it (laughs) right it provides some closure it sounds like yes exactly so the author and the recipient of the letter seem to share a lot of overlap they're both gay black men. And so I imagine even if this isn't nonfiction, that the author could relate a lot to the recipient, which probably added some emotions to the reading. Did that come through? Was that your feeling? There is an author note at the beginning of the book that I think really resonates with the reader slash listener. And so this is maybe kind of a spoiler, but you don't ever get the response from the son. And it's kind of like the author's note is in a way the son's response to the letters from the father. It isn't nonfiction. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure there are things that are just completely made up for the book, but it's definitely something that I think struck a chord for the author that really comes through. So moving on to the next recommendation, we've got How the Word is Passed by Clint Smith. What is this one about? So this one is nonfiction. It's funny because almost everything I picked is nonfiction and I don't read nonfiction as much. I guess a lot of times if it's nonfiction, it's the author reading it, not as much when it's a novel, which is interesting. I also don't think of myself as someone who reads a lot of nonfiction, but I think when I say or hear the word nonfiction, I'm thinking, you know, biographies and a bit drier books. But looking at my story graphs, I actually read like 50-50. And it's just all these memoirs and essay collections and just feels like someone's talking to you 
just telling you a story about their life. So All the Word is Past is by Clint Smith, and it's a nonfiction book. It's a reckoning with the history of slavery across America. So Clint is a poet, and his poetry background really comes through in the book. Plus, he's got an incredible voice. The, the cadence, like the tone of his voice is very soothing. Transparency, loyalty is Clint's local bookstore and he is like a bff of loyalty so i know him as a friend slash author so he's local he is local he's in maryland i actually didn't know that yeah so he's just like an incredible person anyway but this book is phenomenal the way he talks about different places he goes to he goes to monticello to angola prison different monuments and he has a way of presenting history in a way that is beautiful, beautifully written and beautifully thought about without hiding the ugliness of it as well. I won't say who, but I know that an app had reached out to him at some point about him being a voice for them because he has such a great voice. So if that can sway you into listening to the book, I definitely recommend it. It's like your friend is reading this incredible history to you and i listened to it on a road trip with my husband and both of us were just riveted Ooh, that's a great cross-country road trip listen did it feel like clint was giving you a guided tour around the country kind of it's more like so if anyone watched the documentary high on the hog that came out on Netflix, I think in 2021, or has read The Warmth of Other Suns by Isabel Wilkerson. It's more talking about aspects of history and places in a way that helps you connect the dots to other things that have happened. So I feel like when I hear about a place like Monticello, which is where Thomas Jefferson's lived and Sally Hemings. And, you know, it's like, I just have a better understanding when I hear about certain things in America than I did before reading How the Word is Passed. That alone is a good selling point. Also the voice, that's something that I realized, as you said it, I don't really think about very much with audiobooks, but obviously plays a role, a big role in the experience. I know some people have strong preferences for British narrators and things like that. Yes, I do love British narrators, although none of the ones I talk about today are British. I'm a fan of listening to classics or books that I read before and I want to re-experience them as a reread through audiobooks, which is kind of a fun way to reread a book. Yeah, that's a great point. I'm not a big rereader, but I think there have actually been a couple of cases where I have reread through an audiobook and I think that's the only way I would do it. I just can't imagine picking up a book like a full novel or something like that, not a story or a poem, something shorter I could reread and starting it from the beginning again. There's just so much I haven't read. It feels wrong to me. I totally get that. Speaking of reading preferences, we can move on to the next book on our list, How to Read Now by Elaine Castillo. Yes. So Elaine is my girl. She's Filipino, queer, author. Her first book, America is Not the Heart, was the first book I ever read that was about 
Filipino Americans, like in California, which I'm Filipino. I'm from California and queer. And I was like, oh my God, like this is what I've been missing my whole life to have that kind of representation. So America is not the heart and Elaine have a very special place in my heart. And then How to Read Now is an essay collection that she wrote last year. I listened to it and it, can I curse? Is that okay? Yeah, yeah. Okay, it's fucking phenomenal. It's like a battle cry of a book. It talks about what it means to be a reader and like the challenges the idea of that there's things like oh if you're a big reader you have more empathy she kind of takes that and turns it on its head and is like well but does it actually and then like talks about the intended reader the intended audience for a book versus like I don't want to get into the whole American dirt debacle but the intended audience was one thing but the people who ended up reading it who it was supposed to be about there was obviously a big disconnect but she just doesn't pull her punches and she is super hella smart. It's a very cerebral book, but very engaging. And it really changed how I think of myself as a reader. And it's one of those books that I need to shove it into the hands of anyone who is a writer, anyone who is a reader. It will shift your world on its axis and tilt it back up. And you'll be like, whoa, I look at everything differently now. It changed a lot of your views as a reader. Did any of that translate to being a future soon-to-be bookstore co-owner slash bookseller slash book advocate and marketing expert. Yeah, I think it solidified a lot of the things I've been thinking about and advocating for, but maybe didn't necessarily have some of the right words for or things that were in my brain, but not fully formed. And it gave me more fuel to the fire of what I do is important and championing books by marginalized authors or authors who might not be championed everywhere. It is important taking the time to reflect on what I read and what I consume and why it's very much like, fuck the colonialist imperial bullshit. <laughs> Damn the man. It's so meta. I like that it works on so many levels as a writer, as a reader, as a bookseller. All of those people can take something from it. That's really, really cool. All right. So now we're getting to the unscripted portion of the episode. Why don't you tell me a little bit about How to Keep House While Drowning by Casey Davis? Yes. So I realized when I was getting ready to meet you that besides Don't Cry For Me, every other book is how to something. It begins with how, like how to read now, how far the light reaches, how the word is passed, and then how to keep house while drowning. Oh, I didn't even notice that. I didn't do it on purpose. You just couldn't cut the first one though. I couldn't. It was necessary. How to keep house while drowning. It's kind of like a self-care home book. It literally changed changed my life. And I don't say that lightly. It takes tidying, cleaning your house, doing those sort of tasks, but it specifically approaches it through the lens of people who are disabled, neurodivergent, differently abled in whatever way that that means. People who have anxiety, PTSD, right? And takes the shame and morality out of cleaning. It changed the way I treat my inner self 
when it comes to keeping the house clean or like doing the dishes or the laundry, things like that, to like kind of help me be a lot kinder to myself. It's just so well done and she is very frank. I remember liking her voice, but for me, this wasn't one necessarily where, oh, you have to listen to it because she has the best voice ever, like Clint. But it was just one of those books. I listened to it and like kind of closed my eyes and just like sat on the couch and listened to the whole thing in a day because it was only about two hours or something and like took a bunch of notes. And ever since then, when I read it last year, my approach to cleaning and like that kind of inner negative talk has just gone away. Life-changing. Is there one or even a couple of concrete takeaways that really resonated with you that you've incorporated into your life? Yeah, there was one to like think about doing something for future you. Oh, that's sweet. So maybe if you're like doing meal prep, thinking about taking care of future you and future you, their life will be a little bit easier because you did that task now. I really like that way of thinking about it and really honing in on the fact that you have a body, you're not a body. Having a clean house, there's nothing moral about it. It's not good or bad. It just is. I'm sure there's other specific little things. The way she talks about it in different ways, I was like, yes, yes, yes. Oh, and then rest is a right, not a reward, which really resonated with me. So this is from the book. There's no finish line of worthiness. You are worthy now. There's only increased function ahead. Damn, it just really resonated with me. I can definitely see why. I definitely get a lot of stress and anxiety as soon as my personal space starts to slip. So I need a reminder that it doesn't mean I messed anything up if everything's not perfect. I like that a self-help book made it onto the list also. It's a good mix we've got. I kind of purposely try to avoid memoirs or like celebrity authors. There's so many that I love and I love memoirs, but I just thought that's probably where most people's brains naturally go and it's read by the author. So I tried to find sort of a mix. Yeah. A mix of things. Just being the bookseller that I am. (laughs) Yeah. Bringing your expertise. I think that is a great point because these aren't as obvious as someone reading their memoir or autobiography, but they're all still bringing something. Right. I mean, I love the Michelle Obama memoir. It's like she is talking to you, her best friend. So no shade at all to memoirs at all because I love them. So the last book on the list is How Far the Light Reaches, and that's by Sabrina Imbler. So this one was interesting because it's an essay collection that's sort of personal and science combined. Sabrina is biracial, Asian and white like I am, and is also queer and non-binary. So they're like a science journalist and each essay is about a different sea creature. So there's like one, it starts off with a goldfish. There's something about an octopus, the sperm whale, cuttlefish. And then each essay is like about that creature, but then also has reflections on their own life, kind of parallels between like, you know, 
having their first relationship with a woman and how that looked like. And it's just a very well done book. I am very much not like science-y. I enjoy learning about it, but it kind of just like goes over my head. I don't retain it as well, but the way that they weaved everything together with the personal and the science was just very engaging and kind of made you feel like we all are connected in a non-cheesy way though. (laughs) And like think about looking at the ocean and and see animals with more compassion and like understanding which i feel like i always have but even more so after listening to the book that sounds like a really unique and fun premise yeah it was a short book too so like if someone's a slow reader or you know slow listener it won't take you forever to read the book i don't know if you can you tell a theme i like things that are not too wordy yeah this one's 239 pages yeah i like shorter books partially because i get through them faster but I also just have a really strong preference for succinct writing. And sometimes, a lot of times, if I read something that's over like maybe 350 pages, I come out of it just thinking about everything I would have cut. So I think there's power and brevity. So Sabrina Embler and Elaine Castillo are both authors that you said as people you identify a lot with. They're both queer Asian American women, do you think that relating to those authors added to your experience listening to them speak? Yeah, I think so. They both, I'm pretty sure Sabrina is also from California. And so there's a cadence to the way that they both talk that feels very much like home to me. I've lived in a lot of places, but most of my family is in California. And for Elaine, her as an author and her narrating the book, it was almost like my cool, cool sister, like, you know, the cool sister of my friend was hanging out and talking to me. I do think that there's something to be said for like having that kind of relatability. And yeah, it resonates with you on a bit of a deeper level. Yeah. And that is something I guess when you're reading a book, the author is speaking to you and it's coming through the voice in your head. But There is something so intimate about having someone actually talk to you. I think it's hard to replicate that. (sighs) Yeah. Well, this has been lovely. It's been a lovely chat. Before we wrap up, I wanted to give you the chance to add anything about audiobooks or anything else and also to plug anything, whether that's like a project, a business, your bookstagram. Well, highly recommend Libro FM. As I mentioned before, they are amazing people, amazing company. They do a lot to advocate for bookstores. It's a great option to the library. My bookstagram, I love talking about books. Besides reading books and having book events, I'm at Reading is Magical on bookstagram. And yeah, I like being friends with book people because book people are the best people. I think that's it. Just a general pitch for book people as friends. That's also a nice note to end on. All right. Well, thank you so much for taking the time and joining me. I'm really excited to share this with everyone. I'm Savannah Beck, and that's all for this episode of Slow Burn, Books for Slow Readers. Special thank you to Christine for coming on the show tonight and Sight for letting us use his song, Daisy EDM Instrumental. Keep reading and see you next time.